Hey, 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 and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. My name is Brennan Schaefer. Glad to have you with me for this Thursday episode of the show. I'm back in Columbia, Missouri on the other side of the spring training trip this season. Spent about three weeks down in Jupiter. It was a blast, but it was it was time to get home for sure. But had a great time. Hope you enjoyed the coverage down there. Now it's time to recharge for a couple of weeks And then, before you know it, around the corner of the regular season, we'll be here. I'm just as excited as all of you for the season to kick off for the Cardinals on March 26th as they take on the Cincinnati Reds in what could turn out to be a pretty good divisional rivalry this season. The Reds much improved. A lot of people expecting them to push for the division title. The Cardinals, of course, the defending champions in the NL Central. So that should be a fun series and and fun to see the Cardinals and Reds match up Throughout the 2020 season, uh, did not have a show on Wednesday. Based on the travel schedule, I had a layover in Baltimore. Flight got delayed. It was a pretty long day, and so by the end of it, I just decided rather than try to do something at midnight, I might as well just wait another day, and so that's what we did. So I am sorry if you were looking for the show yesterday, but that's an explanation as to why you didn't get one. But today... I, and I haven't, you know, obviously didn't see the Cardinals games yesterday. I know they're playing a doubleheader today. I believe they tied the Mets in the first of two, seven to seven in that first game. And then they'll play a night game this evening. Noteworthy days from Colton Wong and Lane Thomas offensively in that first game. Wong goes three for four with a run scored. Lane Thomas two for three with a couple of walks. So on base four times, three runs batted in. Nice day for him. Not a good day for Adam Wainwright. Four innings pitched, five runs given up. Uh, Kwon Young Kim out of the bullpen had a couple of scoreless innings with a couple of strikeouts. Curious to see how they're going to be handling him. You know, I would think, and they continue to say, Mike Schultz said earlier this week when the, the change, really, it was never official that Kim would start one of the games on Thursday today, but that was what the Cardinals had said, you know, would be the plan. But instead of starting him in one of those games, they put Kim in a relief role behind Wainwright, only two innings. Schultz said, you know, he's he's a guy who threw 190 innings last year, so we're monitoring him. I think that's kind of been the approach they've taken with KK. But just interested to see the direction they go if they ultimately decide to leave him as a starter, if they end up shifting him to the bullpen. I know there are only so many innings to go around, but to see him throw only two innings, whereas Wainwright, a guy obviously slated for the rotation, based on precedent and based on what he's what we've seen from him so far this spring. Interested to see kind of how they develop KK's workload as we get a little bit closer to the season. Because I mentioned, I think Gomber and Ponce de Leon, who pitched yesterday three solid innings, gave up one run. I think either of those guys are deserving of spots in the rotation, but Kim has been nothing but strong so far in his showing. So I don't know that the Cardinals, who told Kim when they signed him that he'd have a chance to compete for the rotation. I don't know that the Cardinals would benefit from from shifting Kim to the bullpen. He's looked pretty good. So like I've said in previous podcasts, I don't have a perfect answer for the direction they should go to fit either Gomber or Ponce de Leon in that starting five. It'll probably work out itself as it often does when we talk about you have all this depth and then next thing you know, boom, you don't. And in the Cardinals case, they're fortunate that they, I don't think they'll have to scramble to decide who's going to, you know, fill in if they lose a starter or two throughout the season because I think they have at least seven guys that I feel pretty confident can do a good job and that's not counting Miles Michaelis who could return from his injury in in May or so and 
and be all right on that front. Still no timetable really for Michaelis that I've seen, but that's just kind of my own estimate based on what we've heard. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops. Another really good day for Cody Whitley, who I'm convinced should make the Cardinals bullpen out of spring camp. Look, if you want to take the best 26 with you, Cody Whitley has clearly got to be part of that mixture. He had a 1.6 ERA throughout three levels of the minors last season, and I don't think he's given up a run this spring. Uh, today in game one of the doubleheader on Thursday, had an inning pitched with two strikeouts, no hits, no walks allowed. He's just been nails, and I know it's not a name, Cody Whitley, that is quite on the forefront of a lot of people's minds because if, if you don't follow the minors, you may have never heard of him before this spring. But his performance, I mean, if you're talking about strictly what guys do on the mound, strip away the names and the contracts and all that, Cody Whitley absolutely has to be one of your eight relievers uh, based on what we've seen not only last year in the minors, him pushing the door and, and earning some attention, but what he's done so far this spring. He's been absolutely lights out. So I don't get a sense for whether the Cardinals are, are going to go that route as of yet, but I think they absolutely should. And and if he continues to pitch like this, getting a strikeout or multiple strikeouts in each outing without allowing really any base runners, there there's there's not going to really be a decision to be made. He'll be on that roster. So wait and see how he continues to develop as time moves along. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But don't have a whole lot to talk about necessarily about, you know, strict spring training action from the last couple of days, just because I obviously was not there in person for any of it. And so we'll continue to to talk Cardinals and what happens during these games as the spring goes along, because it'll become more relevant the closer we get to the season, as you start to see more starters get opportunity, you start to see, you know, the, the kind of roster decisions that are being made. Hopefully, you'll see them play out on the field, and, and it'll be decided that way. Whoever's performing will have those opportunities, uh, you know, when you talk about the, the last spots on the bench and the last spots in the bullpen and, and even who that maybe number four, number five starter will be. Although, if everything goes according to plan, there may not be that much of a surprise with regard to the rotation. But we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Jack Flaherty, four innings pitched yesterday, gave up a few earned runs. Not really concerned or relevant necessarily. His performance and his box score as of right now, you still expect him to be among, you know, one of the, not only the best starter, best pitcher on the Cardinals, but among the best pitchers in the National League, which brings me to the thing I want to talk about today during the podcast. MLB, I believe it's on MLB.com, MLB.com slash The Vault. They've got this contest going now. I guess it'll run till opening day. You can get your votes in. And what they're having you do is vote over the course of the next decade, from 2020 to 2029, those seasons. You vote for the winner of nine categories, and it says you can win a million dollars. I guess whoever gets the most categories correct would then win the, the prize money. And the categories are home runs, hits, pitcher wins, pitcher strikeouts, Team wins and team World Series titles, MVP awards, Cy Young awards, and All-Star games over the next 10 seasons. 
which player if it's a single individual category or which team if it's team win, team World Series wins, will achieve the most. And if you select correctly the most, I guess you win a million dollars. So I think this is a really fun conversation to kind of talk about not only the stars of today, but you kind of have to factor in who's still going to be a star tomorrow because we're talking 10 years down the road. That's that's a pretty long time. You know, Mike Trout might be the best player in the game, but he's 28 years old. Is he going to have that stretch of dominance over the course of the next 10 years? Probably for the next five, six, seven years. But he might tail off in certain categories toward the end where you might select other players instead of him. So I thought this would be a fun kind of uh, conversation to, to run down on the podcast today. And I'm just going to give you my votes and my picks for these different categories. And then I'm going to try to go out on a little bit of a limb and give you my votes and, and do it just strictly for the Cardinals. For the next decade, who will lead the Cardinals in home runs, hits, wins, strikeouts, MVP, All-Star Games, and Cy Young might be might be difficult to do MVP, Cy Young. We could do it, but, you know, it's possible that nobody will win either an MVP or a Cy Young, though Jack Flaherty would probably have something to say about that. But I think it could be kind of a fun thing. And if you're a Cardinals fan and, and you would vote in this, you might say MVP awards, Nolan Arenado. You know, he might not be a Cardinal today, but if you're still holding out hope that he will be someday, then you could, you know, you could go that route. You could try to pick guys who aren't currently on the team. That gives it a little bit of a different flavor. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to give my estimates for how I think the Cardinals will shake out over the next 10 years in these categories. But we'll start with the MLB game, The Vault. Again, it's MLB.com slash the, and then a little dash, Vault is the web address to play this game. And I'm going to start where they have us starting. I'm just going to run down the list, and that'll kind of be the show for today. Obviously, would love to hear what you guys think and what your votes would be, you can send those to me at bshafer12 on Twitter, facebook.com slash bshafer12 on Facebook. And I'll tweet the link to this podcast, of course, on Twitter and Facebook, and, and you'll be able to, to get it there. Home runs is where we start, and it, I'm clicking this. Your top picks kind of gives you a rundown. I guess it, it's telling you who a lot of people are voting for. I'm going to try to be my own person and if there's somebody that I notice they're not on the list, I'll try to think and look them up and give them a fair shake as well. You've got Ronald Acuna. Obviously, is going to be popular for a lot of these. It's got him at age 22. I'm just going to trust whatever MLB has for the ages, by the way. I'm not going to look up everybody's age. Uh, I think the way they choose age, like what age season are you in, I want to say it's by July 1st, but that might not be accurate. It might be June 1st. I guess if it's April, May, June... Yeah, and then July, August, September. I do believe July 1st, which is actually my birthday, is like the cutoff for they call your age 22 season. So if you turn 20 if you're 22 and you turn 23 after July 1, then it would be considered your age 22 season. And then the next year would be your age 23 season even though you you might change ages in the middle of the year. If it's a May birthday, they would count it at whatever your age is on July 1st. I believe that's accurate. But Acuña uh, Joe Adele, top outfield prospect for the Angels. Pete Alonzo would be a great choice. He'll, he's 25, age 25 season this year, but he hit 53 home runs to lead the league last year in his rookie season. So, you know, it's kind of hard to project. What you have to do with this game is project forward performance based on, in some cases, very little present evidence because, sure, you could vote for Trout for all these categories, but 
if he only hits averages, you know, 35, 40 home runs a year for the next five or six, and then, and then he falls off, will somebody else be able to pass him up? Now, talking real strategy for these kinds of games, I think in Mike Trout's case, you would you could probably do pretty well to just pick him for most of these hitter categories because more likely than not, he's he's going to still put up a pretty massive decade. And the fact that you already know he's currently the best player in the game gives you some, you know, some confidence going forward that he will remain so for however many years. And then if his drop-off isn't too dramatic, then he could still fare pretty well. Whereas in other cases, like I'm looking at Cody Bellinger pretty hard for this category, hit 41 home, uh, pardon me, 47 home runs last season. And he's only going to be age 24 for his 2020 season. So you figure in 10 years, he'll still basically be in his prime, maybe kind of entering into those mid-30s, you could see a drop-off. But I thought Bellinger was just an absolute maniac last year with what he was able to do offensively and a deserving most valuable player in the National League. He had a 300, 400, 600 season with a 305 average, 406 on base, and then a 629 slugging percentage with 47 homers and 115 RBIs. I, I think Bellinger would be a pretty good pick for this. Another guy I'm pretty tempted to consider is Jordan Alvarez, the designated hitter for the Houston Astros, which I you could get into a little bit of trouble there because of a lack of a position. You don't know exactly what his longevity and such could be. But I think as far as a pure hit tool, and I, I did see a little bit already this spring, and it's the reason I'm not going to pick him. He apparently has some knee issues that he's dealing with this spring, so he's resting for a couple of days, not playing to rest his knees. So for, for a contest like this, and you're talking about over the next decade, a guy at age 22 dealing with, with bad knees, it's pretty easy for me to avoid picking him in any of the categories, but I'm really a big fan of his hit tool. He also had a uh, 300, 400, 600 season last year in just 369 plate appearances, but if you, if you prorate that over the Bellinger amount of plate appearances, which was about 660, it'd be about a 50 home run pace. I think the pace might be a little bit higher than what Bellinger had, but I just I just think durability might be a concern. But love Jordan Alvarez, as I mentioned before, probably not yet on this podcast, but I traded Mike Trout in a deal that netted me Jordan Alvarez in a dynasty league for fantasy baseball. Now, I also got Alex Bregman in that deal, so I got two guys that I considered to be studs for one. And so to me, that was a no-brainer, and a lot of people questioned trading my chart at all, but it won be my fantasy league last year to make that deal. So no regrets, even though Bregman may, you know, people wonder if he'll have a step back uh, now that he doesn't know which pitches are coming, if they can't continue to cheat as they've done in Houston. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm still pretty confident in Bregman as a player as well. But I think for the home run category, I'm going to go with Cody Bellinger. I'm a big fan of his game. There are some other candidates, but when you consider how young he is and the fact that we've already seen him hit home runs at a high level. He's a year younger than Pete Alonso. Alonso could be another really good selection. And Acuna, too. I mean, hit over 40 home runs last season. But I think Bellinger might be able to to have a little bit more of a power stroke than, than Acuna. They're both going to be sensational players among the probably two of the top five players over the course of the next decade. I narrowly lean Bellinger because I think Bellinger might have more 50 homer seasons whereas Acuna may may top out in the 40s. And he could easily prove me wrong, and that'd be ridiculous. But I think Bellinger is a more complete hitter. Acuna has a little bit 
more holes in his swing strikeout-wise. Bellinger did a lot, at least this past season, to kind of mitigate some of those strikeouts, and I think that made him a more complete hitter, allowed him to win the MVP. So I'll go with Cody Bellinger for the home run category. And then for the hits category, that's listed second, I'm going to pick a guy that I don't know. This may end up being a popular selection because after I already chose my selection for who would lead the majors in hits over the course of the next decade, my Twitter timeline, I saw somebody else had chosen the same guy. So maybe I wasn't being as uh, creative as I thought with this category. But Luis Arias for the Minnesota Twins, I think is going to be my pick. And it, it fits on an age basis. I don't know how big of a prospect he ever was before he burst onto the scene. I think he might have been more of the, and I could be wrong about this, but I, because I hadn't heard of him, maybe it was more of the Tommy Edmund ilk, where not a, a top, top prospect, but just came out and, and showed what he could do. This could bite me in the face if uh, if I'm wrong. You know, I, he could end up either doing what I think he's going to do or not even become close. But in his rookie season last year, he had 109 hits in only 326 at-bats, uh, 366 plate appearances, had 36 walks, so not a crazy number of walks, but pretty good. But he had a 334 batting average, which is pretty good. I mean, you don't see that many batting averages over the course of the full season that are quite at that level anymore because guys are more often selling out for power and on base, which, you know, Arias could be a one-hit wonder and not end up being amounting to anything over the course of the next decade. But because he's so young and he's a contact guy, only struck out 29 times across 366 plate appearances. So that tells me he's going to put the ball in play. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best player over the next decade, but if we're just talking pure hit tool and, and being able to, to knock through a bunch of singles, I think he might be the guy. So I'm going to go with Arias from the Twins. Luis Arias is his name. And there's some other options on here. Altuve obviously has been a hit machine, but he'll be 29 years old. Ozzy Albies is a good choice. Acuna appears to be a top pick according to this list, but I think he's he's got too many holes. He'll be a power guy. He'll be an on-base and a power guy, but I'm not sure if he'll be a, a hits leader necessary, necessarily. Like Bellinger, Mookie Betts, some other guys on this list I could see. Uh, my, my number two pick would be Rafael Devers from Boston. He's a complete hitter, and he goes so under the radar. And when I was deciding later on who will make the most all-star games over the course of the next decade, it's kind of hard to just pick the youngest player that you think is the best because it's about a popularity contest when it comes to the all-star game. And I think Devers is a guy who he will sh see his fair share of all-star games. But I, I just think he is underrated as far as across the game is concerned. Like, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like you hear Devers' name in the same sentence with the Acunas and the Bellingers and the Betts and the and the Mike Trouts. But you look at what he did last year. Rafael Devers is absolutely in that conversation. And he's 23 years old. Like, he's younger than, than most of those guys. So, you know, he could be a great selection for almost any of these categories. Hits, I, he's my number two choice. But I want to go what I thought was a little bit off the wall. Maybe it's not. But Luis Arias is going to be my pick for that one. And then pitcher wins is the next category and so here are the pitcher categories wins strikeouts and Cy Young awards and I've got two pitchers that I'm gonna kind of split these three categories with and just kind of throw darts at the board and, and, and try to figure out which direction I want to go with each I decided for pitcher wins and you'll when, when you see my selection for team wins and World Series titles it'll make a little bit of sense 
But again, with when it comes to wins for pitchers, it's not necessarily the best pitcher over the next decade, although this guy could absolutely have a chance to do that. But I look at the teams that I think are going to be competitive and win a lot of games, and then you look at, okay, who's one of their best pitchers? And to me, Walker Bueller would be a great selection for this this uh, category. So I'm going to take Walker Bueller uh, for, for the wins, the pitcher wins category. And now we've had three selections so far, and I picked two Los Angeles Dodgers. So it shouldn't be hard to imagine when we get to the wins category that I'm, that I might end up doing the same. It doesn't make it that interesting, but if you're really trying to win this vault contest and, and get the million dollars, you know, you might as well be consistent and say, okay, if they have a home run leader and a superstar Cody Bellinger leading their offense and they have a Walker Bueller, a pitcher that could, could you know, become a, a superstar on, on that side of the ball for the next 10 years, you know, and I'm going to pick him to win the most games, I, want, I might as well be consistent. So I'm picking the Dodgers for team wins, and I could go a different direction for World Series titles. I don't think I will. I think Los Angeles Dodgers, if I'm picking them to win the most games, it means it's a math problem at that point. Like, they'll have the most opportunities. I know that they have been chokers in the playoffs in recent years and have not been able to get over that hump. You added Mookie Betts. I think, you know, they're probably one of the favorites to win it in 2020. And it may only take two or or three, maybe at the absolute most, titles by an individual team over the next decade to win this category. And so... I think the Dodgers is is a pretty obvious pick to me. The Yankees, you know, if you were thinking, all right, start by guessing who has a, a an elite club right now and go go from there. You know, the Yankees, I don't think they're going to be in as good a shape as a lot of people thought. They were the odds-on favorite to win the American League as of a few weeks ago. But the injuries that that team is going through, and I don't see any reason to believe that's going to change in New York because you look at the style of players that they have and that they rely upon. Pitching, for one, is always susceptible to injuries, and they've they've had more than their fair share already of those, and we haven't even gotten to the regular season. James Paxton, Luis Severino are, are a couple examples from that side of the ball. And then offensively, Aaron Judge is a stud, as is Giancarlo Stanton, but I, I just they, they feel like not durable guys. They're always having these nagging injuries or or the type of injuries that take them out of action for a long time. So I can't pick the Yankees for any of these categories to think that they're going to to have the most wins or be able to, to to knock off a couple of World Series. They could, but I'm Dodgers all the way just because they're the best team now, and you look at one of the reasons why, it's a lot of young players that are part of that team as well. Bueller, Bellinger leading the way. Yeah, they've got older guys. They've got Kershaw's that they're relying upon. They've got Justin Turner's to rely upon. Mookie Betts may only be there for a year. And, and you know, he's you're talking about a decade. He'll be in his upper thirties by the time the decade ends. So, but I think right now they're, they're a team that could easily win, knock off a couple in a row over the next couple of years. Uh, the Astros would be an obvious choice, especially, especially it feels like you could say because of their division, probably not as tough top to bottom as what I consider the NL West to be, at least right now, that'll change as time goes on. I think the Rockies won't be very good this year, but the Diamondbacks have impressed me. They're improved. Uh, I guess the Giants might have a little bit of a tough time. So, yeah, I think trying to read into divisions on second thought, probably not worthwhile in in selecting this. You just got to go with the teams that you think can rack up the most wins with the most talent, and then they might get lucky with a couple of World Series uh, over the course of the next decade. The Astros, obviously under fire for a lot of the the stuff that has gone on there, but they still have a lot of talent and a lot of young talent, although 
more of that talent is going to continue to graduate, and then you got to figure out if they're going to spend to keep it. So I'm not going to go that direction. If I were going to go pure, just young talent, and a team that I think could be a playoff team this year, the San Diego Padres are on the come. Uh, they're, I think their their farm system is among the best in baseball. You've got prospects like Mackenzie Gore, young guys like Fernando Tatis, uh, Chris Paddock in their rotation. You know They've got Tommy Pham now that doesn't apply as far as the young player theory goes, but they've got a lot of talent to where they could contend now. And so I could see them being really good over the next decade. But if I'm talking team wins, I, I need a team that's not a threat to tank if things go south and they, they tear it down and try to rebuild again. I want teams that I can believe are consistently going to go for it. The Dodgers in L.A. with the money they can spend, I don't think they're ever going to be a team at risk of of tanking and you know losing intentionally. So they're going to have their 100-win seasons, and then they're also going to not have the 65-win the seasons. The Cardinals, I think, would honestly be a great selection as well for that same reason. But I think right now the Dodgers have more talent and and you know more reason to believe that while the Cardinals are never going to tear it down all the way, they're also not going to be willing to spend to an elite level the way the Dodgers will. So I think the Dodgers are pretty much a no-brainer pick for team wins. And and if you if you think they're going to win the most games, no-brainer for World Series wins as well. But back to the conversation about pitchers. I kind of got on a Dodgers sidetrack because I said wins, strikeouts, and Cy Youngs. I've got two names for three spots. The other name, I'm going to tell you strikeouts. I'm going to go with Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. You look at what he did a year ago. That was his first season really as a as a full workload starter with 196 innings. He pitched as a starter the year before that, but only started 28 games this past year, 33. You know, 2.75 ERA, only 11 wins. It's pretty easy to say, you know, the Cardinals were a good team last year, but Flaherty didn't, you know, guys can just get screwed. It happens and you don't win a lot of games. That's why the pitcher win selection is a really hard category to pick. And, you know, I could talk about some of the other pitchers that I consider for some of these categories. Chris Paddock, I mentioned his name, 24 years old, absolutely would garner some consideration. Uh, you know, Shane Bieber, he's he's really turned himself into one of the, the fine young pitchers in the game, 24 years old. Garrett Cole would be an obvious choice, even though he'll be 39 by the end of this. But I think, you know, would, would, would be somebody that makes a lot of sense. I'm tempted to pick Mackenzie Gore, the 6'3 lefty for the Padres, who's like 20 years old, 21 years old, and a strikeout fiend in the minors, but I'm, I'm not going to go that direction because I think with a counting stat like strikeouts, and of course a lot of these guys could miss a full year with Tommy John at any given time in the next decade, so it's hard to predict, but he's not in the big leagues yet, Mackenzie Gore, and so if it's another year or two before he actually gets cemented into a rotation for the long haul, I think you're losing out on valuable strikeouts. So I think right now Jack Fleury at the perfect time of his career Still very young, only 24 years old, but he's he's right on on time for last year in 196 innings, had 231 strikeouts. So there's reason to believe that if he's a little bit better, you know, than he was last year because he was a superstar in the second half, was pretty average actually in the first half, and so you could see that strikeout total potentially raise from what he did a year ago, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. But the 24-year-old, I think, is a pretty good bet for strikeouts to lead the MLB, to lead Major League Baseball over the course of the next decade. Then you've got Cy Young Awards, and it would be kind of silly for me not to pick one of these two guys since I'm already saying they're going to to be so dominant in an individual category, so important to pitchers. 
I think I'm going to go Walker Bueller though over Jack Flaherty for Cy Youngs because West Coast bias, the LA bias. You know, if if these guys have equal seasons for the next ten years, I think Walker Bueller will end up getting more votes because Jack plays in St. Louis, Walker plays in Los Angeles. Now that being said, they could be teammates in in five years because it would not surprise me a bit to see Jack Flaherty end up in Los Angeles. He's he's an LA guy, of course, and so. You know, he could be a Dodger in five years, and, and that could kind of take away from that. But Bueller, I think, could win one over the next few years. Flaherty could absolutely do the same. I, I narrowly lean Walker Bueller for Cy Youngs. And it's funny to think about back in 2018 when these guys were kind of coming onto the scene, they were top prospects. It was easy to see the comparison of two similarly aged guys. And I'll give you Walker Bueller's numbers as well. Uh, he had 14 wins last year, so that's not insane, but I think. I, I could envision him just benefiting from a good Dodgers team and, and racking up wins. But in 182 innings, he had 215 strikeouts last year. So might even be a little bit of a higher ratio than Flaherty, or, or they're pretty similar if not. So like I said, it could go either way. But in 2018, I was trying to decide, like, even before Bueller got started, he was just kind of pitching in his first few games. And I said, I think Bueller is actually better than Flaherty. He'll have a better career than Flaherty. And I looked pretty smart for that until like July of last year because that's when Flaherty really turned on the turbo and and showed what his ceiling is, which is to say there is no ceiling at all. Like he can you allow zero runs? He did most of the time. So that's pretty much the ceiling for Jack Flaherty. But yeah, I think these guys are two comparable pitchers both in the NL and I think they're the two best pitchers over the next decade in MLB and so kind of do a coin toss to, to see which one you think will win more Cy Youngs. But I'll lean Bueller for now because he's already in L.A., which I think is an inherent advantage when you're talking about voting and exposure for, for these types of awards. The last two categories to discuss before we wrap up the show today, Most Valuable Player, MVP Awards, and All-Star Games. And for MVP Awards, again, I'll look at the list and tell you who kind of is is near the top. Acuna, Alonzo, Altuve, Arenado, Betts is on the list. Seeing some Bo Bichette, uh, Matt Chapman as I scroll down further. Wander Franco, another name that you could give consideration to, uh, but he's only 19. He's not going to play. He might make the, the major leagues this season, but he's not going to start there, and so that's an inherent disadvantage to him uh, when we talk about all these categories, but he could end up being a stud. Glad to, Glad to say that I have him in a dynasty league. Wander Franco, the top prospect, I believe the top prospect in all of baseball by most lists and metrics, and uh, he's a, a shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Vlad Guerrero would be another guy you could talk about as far as home runs, probably not hits, but um, you know MVPs could be in the conversation for that. Only 21, didn't have an MVP type season last year, but still time for him to to come into his own. Luis Robert, Robert, and uh, Aloy Jimenez, two uh, Chicago White Sox outfielders. And I haven't mentioned Juan Soto's name yet, which feels really wrong. Um, he's another guy, too. Like, he should probably, he'll be the most consistent player. He'll have a 900 OPS probably every year for the next 10. And he may not make an all-star game every year because, for whatever reason, he just seems to fly under the radar compared to some of these bigger names. And I, I, I think a lot of people nationally, they do know him and they, they know he's got a great game. But, like, Acuna or Soto, I would say Acuna's name just his cachet of his name recognition is a little bigger for whatever reason. I think Soto is a stud. I think Soto is actually the more complete player. Uh, you know, time will tell. Offensively, I'm not even going to really get into defensive metrics because it doesn't matter for these 
these awards necessarily. But when I was thinking all-star games, like, yeah, Juan Soto, look at his numbers. He's going to be so consistent. But then I looked, he didn't even make the all-star team last season. His season ended with a, a 282 average, a 401 OBP, uh, 548 slug for a 949 OPS. He didn't even make the, all, the all-star team. He's still never made an all-star team, if, if, if this is to be believed, on his uh, baseball reference page. The guy finished number two in rookie of the year his first season as a 19-year-old, and then last year finished ninth in the MVP, but was not voted to the All-Star team either either season. So maybe he just came on late. I know that was the case in his rookie year, but this past year, maybe his numbers just weren't that good for the first half. I'd have to go back and look, but it seems like he would just be a lock for All-Star teams. But I'm a little bit shied away, honestly, by the fact that for whatever reason, maybe Nationals fans don't vote the way they ought to. Uh, I'm going to go for Ronald Acuna for the most All-Star games. And he'd be a fine selection for MVPs as well. But I think just the the big name recognition, I think I'm going to lean Acuna for All-Star because of the fact that I think we've seen Atlanta Braves fans. I talk about Nationals fans. I think the Braves fan base, not to to knock Nationals fans, I thought they were great when I was there in Washington, D.C. for the NLCS against the Cardinals last year. I think D.C. has some really good baseball fans. But I think, you know, Two-time, uh, he was a, well, he's a rookie of the year for Acuna in, his, in 2018. Last year, made his first All-Star game. I think Acuna could end up just being a guy that gets in maybe when he doesn't always deserve it. Although I could I could reverse that and go Mike Trout because I don't think there's any way that might. Yeah, you know what? The more I think about this, I don't think over the next, what, until Mike Trout's 35, would there be any reason he wouldn't make an All-Star game? So that already gets you to like seven so I think I'm going to have to go Trout for All-Star Games. It feels kind of lame not to pick Acuna for any of these because I, I love his game. I think he's going to be a stud for a long time. And, you know, because of his age, if he just has the longevity, you talk about paths to a Hall of Fame career. I know that's a little bit premature, but he, he's been a stud at age 20 and 21. So it's it, you talk about counting stats and just getting all the accolades to rack up. When guys are starting earlier and earlier in their careers nowadays, it's easy to, to see how they do that. But I'm going to actually leave Acuna off because MVP awards, I am going to go with Mike Trout because is he going to even lose a step? Age 28, 29, 30, 31, 32? That's five years. I think it's pretty easy to think that he would be the same guy for the, the bulk of those seasons. And he's going to tear down at least a couple MVPs in that time because he's always, you know, he's just so consistent. And so, yeah, am I sacrificing at the back end of his of, of the decade to say he probably won't be at that level anymore? I am, but okay, I love Jordan Alvarez. He's not, a, he doesn't even play defense. He's probably not a perennial candidate, uh, you know, even seven, eight years from now. Bellinger certainly could be, um, but I, you know, I've got him at home runs and I want to, I, I think I want to go Mike Trout over Bellinger. It's close though. Like Raphael Devers could be an, an answer, but then again, I just mentioned how I don't think he gets enough recognition. So I kind of have to get into the mind of the voters and make sure that I, I pick a guy with a big national brand. It doesn't get much, much bigger than Mike Trout. Wander Franco could emerge and, and, and do that. So could Vlad Guerrero. But like right now, I don't think either of them are going to be MVP candidates in 2020, Maybe 2021, you know, having the the bulk of their window be 2023 to 2027, I could totally see that. But because we've already known Mike Trout is on that level and have no expectation for him to depart from it anytime soon, 
I, I feel better about going my trout than trying to to take a stab at a guy who I think is going to be a stud like Luis Robert, and and you know not ever having seen him actually play in a major league game. So I'm gonna go with Trout for that one, which I think is my final category. So Bellinger to lead the league in homers, Luis Arias for hits, Walker Bueller for wins and Cy Young awards, Jack Flaherty for strikeouts. Uh, the Dodgers for team wins and World Series titles. MVPs, I'm going to go Trout, and I'll say Trout as well for All-Star games because you know, even at, in his 30s, as he kind of winds down his career, because of how big of a name he's been, he's going to continue to get recognition and voted in. So I think that's an easy call, actually, the more I think about it. Mike Trout for All-Star games. Before we get out of here, I'll try to give you my picks for the, the statistical leaders for the Cardinals over the next decade. Pretty easy to pick strikeouts and wins for a pitcher to go with Jack Flaherty. It may not be him, but I don't see any reason that I would pick somebody else. Uh, you know, Dakota Hudson's a guy the Cardinals like a lot, guy I like a lot. I, I know the advanced metrics say, you know, needs to get the walks down, but more so than that, he, he doesn't miss as many bats, and so he's a more of a pitch to contact. But he, he certainly has been a guy that 16 wins in one year, nothing to scoff at. But I think I think Jack Flaherty, if we think he's the best pitcher, you know, a guy that's going to contend for Cy Young Awards, you might as well pick him for pitcher's wins, even though that statistical category is a little bit more loosey-goosey, not exactly sure how it's going to going to play out. It's a lot more difficult, I think, to pick as far as offensive categories because young standout studs for the Cardinals, you know, you don't necessarily know who those guys are going to be of players that have proven themselves so far. I think going Dylan Carlson for some of these categories would make a lot of sense, uh, you know, because he's probably, he's going to get his first shot this season for the first time, even if it's not right away. And I think he's going to be a pretty complete hitter, to be honest with you. So I think it's, I'm comfortable going Dylan Carlson for hits. I I don't think I want to pick him for home runs because we don't know what kind of a power hitter he's going to be. He might just be I view him as like kind of a complete, well-rounded dude that he could be in that 20 to 25 range for home runs, but I don't think he's going to sell out for the long bomb. You know, Tyler O'Neill, if he gets an opportunity, could be a guy who could rack up a bunch of 30 home run seasons, but does he have the longevity or the durability? I don't think I, I'm comfortable going with that. Uh, Tommy Edmond probably would be my second best guess as of right now for leading the, the team in hits over the next decade. I would like to think I could pick Colton Wong, but he's a little bit older as far as getting into his upper 20s. You know, he'll turn 30 in October, so I I don't think I'll go that direction, and he's not signed long-term. So it's easier and probably more sensible to pick a guy that you know, unless he's traded, he's going to be around for a little while. And so I think for home runs, honestly, I'm going to go, this might be a little bit nuts, I'm going to go Paul Young for home runs because he's a guy who's who's already done it. He hit 30 home runs last season for the Cardinals, and he didn't even really have a very good offensive season. So, you know, by his own standards and what he had done the year before, I, 26 years old, turns 27 in August, probably a guy that they're going to, I could see making him a lifetime Cardinal, especially given the kind of year I expect him to have in 2020. I'm comfortable going Paul DeYoung for leading the Cardinals in home runs for the next decade. Obviously, a guy like Nolan Gorman could jump in and, and just do it. But it's going to be a couple of years before we see him, and we've got to know that he's going to be a stud. Which, as of yet, we we don't necessarily know whether that's going to be the case. Even though we're, you know, you could be high on the guy and and think it'll pan out, but is, as of right now, still a teenage prospect. So, you know, a lot of ways to go to 
develop and see what that power could look like. I feel pretty comfortable about this Paul DeYoung pick, actually. So we'll go DeYoung for homers, Carlson for hits, Flaherty for every pitching category. Uh, All-star games, that could be a little tougher. You know, Paul DeYoung is uh, not Paul DeYoung. Paul Goldschmidt in his 30s already. He'll be around. Could he could he get three all-star appearances as a Cardinal? I could see it, but that's a that's a tough position, and he'll have to, to do better than he did last year, I think, to be able to rack up those kinds of numbers. So I don't think it'll be for him. I mean, Jack Flaherty would be the obvious answer. He's the Cardinals' best player for the next decade. If, but then again, if he doesn't re-sign, you're kind of limiting your potential on that front. Although I guess, it, are we asking the most for the Cardinals specifically or the most... I guess if it's most for the Cardinals specifically, you have to be a little bit careful about going Flaherty. Uh, DeYoung could be could be in that category for all-star games. Uh, you know, even Yachty could make a couple more, but the question is, could you know, back half of this decade, who the hell knows, you know, who the Cardinals stars are going to be in 2026. That's a long time from now. So I, I think it makes sense to try to pick guys that are currently under consideration. Like I could say Delvin Perez, like, you know, he was the top prospect, but then really has fallen off. I don't think he's going to make it, but it's just kind of fun to get into the headspace of thinking of the future and and the direction that you would go with certain things. But I'll say Jack Flaherty for Cy Young's. I'll say, I'll say Carlson for MVPs or maybe Nolan Gorman for MVPs because he could end up being a guy. I'll say Gorman for MVPs because I think his power ceiling higher than Carlson's. Uh, but for all-star games, that feels like a, a safe pick for Jack Flaherty as well. But I'm interested to, to see what you guys think. Home runs, hits, uh, the, the pitcher categories won't be that interesting. But home run and, and hits and maybe MVPs, who would you Cardinals fans have as as the Cardinals with the, the potential to not only lead the team in home runs and hits for the next decade, but potentially rack up the most, most valuable player awards or just win one? Really, the answer could be one. The answer could be none. You never know. But... Uh, I think that's kind of a fun exercise. The show went a little bit long today, so I hope you guys appreciated a little bit of a shift in content. We'll continue to come up with stuff to talk about, continue to keep an eye on position battles and roster construction for the Cardinals as we go forward. But I appreciate you guys for joining me for this episode of B-Shape Daily. We'll have another one tomorrow, Friday. Uh, you know, We'll keep things rolling. Make sure you're subscribed as we close in on the opening day for the season. Uh, you can do so at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Other places as well, but those seem to be the most prominent. And the show title is Be Shave Daily. Appreciate you guys listening to this episode, and I will talk to you tomorrow.